Scriptures for leading us this morning through worship and song. Again, thank you for being here. If you have your Bibles, I'll invite you to turn with me to 1 John chapter 1. We'll begin in chapter 1. We are going to ease this morning into the first couple of verses of chapter 2 as well. Uh, If you weren't here last week, uh, Happy New Year. Good to see you. Uh, Last week we began a new study in the book of 1 John. Last week we spent some time looking at who John is, the John that wrote this. This is the Apostle John uh, who wrote the Gospel of John, who walked with Jesus during his earthly ministry. He was one of the disciples, spent much time with Jesus, learned directly from Jesus. And so later on, John is writing this as a letter to some other Christians. One thing that we mentioned last week in the introduction is he is writing this to some Christians that are specifically dealing with false teachers. They're being bombarded by false teaching, so they're hearing things uh, that are not true. John knew that, and he's trying to help them to stay firm in the true gospel, in God's Word, in what God's Word teaches. And so we're going to see that again today. He's going to continue that. This morning, it really plays out this way, the text we're looking at. John starts by giving us a big picture theological truth. Really big theological truth that we could spend weeks and weeks and weeks trying to hash out. Uh, But then John, in his pastoral heart, gives us a couple of very specific applications. So I know sometimes uh, some of you really say, listen, I want more theology, I want more doctrine, I want more uh, of the study of who God is and His character. We're going to have that this morning. And some of you say, listen, I really need something practical, something that I can walk out of here and take home with me. John gives us that. What I pray is that we always seek to find both of these in any scripture that we look at. So look with me in verse 5, 1 John 1, 5, where we see the big picture theological truth. John said, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Now, there's the truth. God is light. In him, there's no darkness at all. So he is completely light no darkness at all, and that is a theological truth that's telling us something about God. As we study God, we recognize that God is light. As we study Christ, we recognize that Christ is light. But then, of course, we have to ask the question, what exactly does John mean when he says God is light? Well, again, that is the part that we could spend weeks and weeks studying and not exhaust because there are lots of places in scripture that talk about God or God's word or Jesus as being light with different aspects. I'm going to give you just a couple of them this morning so that we can understand what John is starting with here but then we're going to move uh, to the rest of the text. So when we're trying to see what John was probably thinking when he wrote this There are a couple of good places to look. Anytime you want to see what John is thinking in one of his epistles, you can look in the gospel that he wrote, right? Because he wrote the gospel of John. He wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And so if I want to see what he may have been thinking, what he heard Jesus teaching, what he heard Jesus say, 
I can always look in the Gospel of John, and we can find a lot of parallels there, and we're going to in just a moment. But you could also look in the Old Testament. You might say, Brother Zach, why would it be specifically helpful if I'm trying to, to decipher what John was thinking to look in the Old Testament? Why wouldn't I just look in his Gospel? Well, the reason is, do you know what John would have called the Old Testament in his day and time? He would have called it the Bible. Right? There wasn't a fully put-together canon of the New Testament. When Jesus was walking here on earth, when John was a disciple of Jesus, you know what their Bible was? It was the Old Testament. And so we study the Old and New Testament. John's helping write the New Testament. It's not put together yet. So for John, when he thinks of the Old Testament, he doesn't think it's the Old Testament. He thinks it's the Scriptures. It's, it's what God has revealed to us. So anything you see there would have been something that John studied, that John was well acquainted with. And so we see several things in the Old Testament. God and God's Word are shown to have this illuminating factor where they help people to see where they should be going and what they should be doing. Many of you, if you did Bible drills when you were younger, memorized Psalm 119, 105. Your Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So God's Word is a light that shows us where we should be going and what we should be doing. Also, many of you know from the, uh, the Exodus, Exodus narrative, after they leave Egypt and they're going through the wilderness, that at night, so they would know where to go and not just be straying and lost, God showed up as a light, as a pillar of fire that gave light. And God literally showed them the way that they should go. He went before them and they followed Him. So God and His Word in the Old Testament are shown to show people, show God's people where they should be going, what they should be doing. We can follow God's Word and God's teachings. Then in the Gospel of John, there are a couple of different times that it comes up. In John 1, verses 4 through 5, it says, In Him, speaking of Jesus, in Jesus was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So there we see Jesus. Jesus as the light that gives life. And in John eight twelve, I, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So so light, and again, we could continue. There are times in the Bible when light is, is given. There's this contrast of light and darkness that's showing the difference in good and evil. But what we see here is that God, when it speaks of God as light, or Jesus as light, or God's Word as light, it's always good. It's always in a good context. So he says here, God is light completely good in all these ways. God knows where he's going and he can show you where to go. God's never lost. God, it says that the light, Jesus, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The life, the light that is Jesus can give eternal life. There's no death in God at all. No darkness. So there are lots of things that John could mean when he says God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. But understand this, they're all good. Every time God is talked about as being light, it's good. And the darkness is always in contrast to him. So when we reject God's way, we're walking in darkness, not in light. 
when we decide to follow our own path and not God's path, we're walking in darkness, not in light. When we are sinning, we're walking in darkness, not in light. Whenever we are dead because of our sin, we're walking in darkness, not in light. These are the contrasts I believe that John wants us to think about when he says this this morning. Point one, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Now, those of you that are very astute listeners, you say, Brother Zach, you didn't come up with that point. That's just what that verse says. It's absolutely what I did. Because that verse is the thesis statement for today's sermon. It's the way that John wrote this. The way the Holy Spirit inspired John to write this. Not only this, the next couple of weeks are all driven by this idea that God is light. God is good. God is all-knowing. God is perfect. And there's nothing bad in him at all. So then John takes that. I told you John's going to take that and he's going to apply that. He's going to help us to know how does God being light change the way that you go about your work on this Tuesday? How does God being light and having no darkness in him change the way that you're going to deal with a hard situation this week? very important that we take that theological truth and we apply it in a practical way. And so John does that for us. Just a couple of reminders from last week. Some of the driving forces behind this letter are one that John is trying to help us avoid false teachers. God, John is going to take the fact that God is light and help you know who's a false teacher and who's not a false teacher. We're also told in 1 John 5.13, I believe the purpose statement for the entire book it says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. John is going to take the fact that God is light and he's going to help you know whether or not you have eternal life this morning. Isn't that exciting? He's going to help you know who's a false teacher and who's not. He's going to help you know if you have eternal life or not by this truth this morning. So let's look at it. Verses 6 and 7, the first way that he does it. He says, if we say we have fellowship with him, speaking of God, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. John says, if you say that you have fellowship, if you're here Wednesday night, we talked about this, it's the idea of an intimate close relationship. If you say that you are intimate with God, that you have a close-knit relationship with God, that you and God are tight. If you say that while you're walking in darkness, then John says you're lying. He doesn't, he doesn't say it. That's just how he says it. If you say you have fellowship with him while you walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. Now, what, is that, what does that mean? I want you to think about any sort of statement that we say are either-or statements. That's what John is saying. Either you're in the light or you're in the darkness. There's no in-between. There's no both. We would say that, you, that people are either Ole Miss fans or they are Mississippi State fans, right? Some of you would beg to differ, but... I'm just, this is my example. Let me have it for just a minute. So if someone says, I am an Ole Miss fan, but I love the color maroon, and I love 
ringing a cowbell, we would say, you're a liar, right? Because you can't be an Ole Miss fan and love the color maroon, and you can't be an Ole Miss fan and love ringing a cowbell. We say those two do not work. John says, if you say, I have a relationship with God, but I love the darkness, you're lying. Now, on a more serious note, a more specific, I think, very applicable idea of an either-or next week is Sanctity of Life Sunday. And if someone says to me, Brother Zach, I am pro-life, but I am also for abortion and I am for euthanasia. I think that it's okay if we kill innocent people if it makes our lives more convenient then I would say you're lying when you say you're pro-life. Because you cannot be pro-life. You cannot say, I believe that all life, every life has value and meaning because they have been made by God, but also some of them can be killed if it's more convenient for the rest of us. You can't say both of those. Either you're pro-life and all life has meaning and value because God has created, or... You are not pro-life. And you believe the other things. John says here, that's how you have to look at having a relationship with God. If you are in a close-knit relationship with God, he says you will also walk in the light. You will follow the path that God has laid out in his word. You will do your very best to refrain from sin. You have life. You will show love. All of these things about God that show that He is light, you will have these characteristics. You will be taking on these characteristics. But if you say, listen, I'm a Christian. Or Zach, I'm a Christian. But you sin over and over and you don't care that you sin. Or you say, I know what God's Word says, but I'm not going to follow it. Then John says, therefore, I would say, you are a liar. That you can't be both. That you have to choose one or the other. That's what John, John, listen, if you think this is tough, wait till we get a little bit further in 1 John. John uses very strong and very direct language. John, when you read 1 John, you don't walk away saying, I'm not exactly sure what he was talking about. John is very, very clear. Now, how does this help us to identify false, false teachers? I believe that's one of the main things he's doing here. Is John is helping us to be able to identify false teachers. Now, Jesus says, in the, the text that Brother Danny Cisco read for us earlier, Jesus says that, that he is the light, that he has come into the world to offer salvation to people, and that people that have rejected him are choosing the darkness rather than the light. So if you find a teacher who is teaching anything contrary to the gospel... The gospel being that Jesus is God, that he left heaven and came to earth, lived a perfect life, died an atoning death, came back to life and went to heaven. And when you have faith in him, that your sins are removed, you are made right with God, and you will go to heaven for all of eternity. Anybody teaches anything different than that, then he says, if they say that they're a Christian but teach something different than that, they're lying. Now, some people in our world, it's easier to identify as a false teacher because they're not even trying to skirt around the gospel. They're just rejecting it altogether, right? You will find Muslim people who say that you can follow Muhammad 
to Allah, and that's how you get to heaven. Well, for us as Christians, that's easier to identify as a false teacher. You will find people that will say that you can follow Buddha to enlightenment, and that's how you would get to somewhere like heaven, and that's easier to recognize. And you'll find atheists that say there is no God and there is no heaven. And these things are easier for us to recognize, but John was writing to church folks who were having people that were coming in and saying, listen, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. I just don't believe that the Jesus that was here on earth is actually God. That's the sort of things they were teaching. They were saying, listen, I believe in Jesus. I believe that Jesus is God. I just don't believe that he was actually a human. I believe that he was just a spirit that kind of looked like a human. And John said last week, he said, no, no, no. We've seen him. We've heard him. We've touched him. He's really God. He's really human. And brothers and sisters, when you hear anybody teaching anything that is different than what God's Word teaches, you don't need to say, well, maybe I've just heard it wrong all these years. You need to say, no, you are a false teacher. We need to be okay with marking people that teach something contrary to the gospel as false teachers. Not if they say something on accident or out of place, but if they are advocating and teaching and pushing something that isn't what the Bible says, and they call themselves a Christian, then John calls them a liar. So we need to be very careful about who we're listening to and what those people are saying. But again, in this same text, he's also showing us how it is that we know. How do we know if we have eternal life? Well, look at your life. Is your life filled with things that would be on the side of darkness, or is it filled with things that would be on the side of light? Do you have a whole bunch of habitual sins that you do over and over and over that you know that you shouldn't do, but you don't care to quit just because you enjoy them? John says, brothers, you may not be Christians. Do you say, listen, I'm a Christian because my name is on the church roll somewhere? But you don't care to read God's Word, and you don't care what it says when you do read it. You don't care to pray, you don't care to spend time with Him, you don't care to go to church, you don't care to sing His praises, you don't care about any of these things. They don't mean anything to you. To me, that seems like somebody that says, hey, I'm in fellowship with the light, but I'm walking in darkness. Brothers and sisters, he says, if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. So you can ask yourself this morning. You can look. You can examine your life. Is your life filled with the light of Christ? Or is it filled with the darkness of evil, of sin in this world? I can't answer it for you. You have to answer it yourself. The Holy Spirit will convict you to know the truth this morning. I trust that fully. In verses 8 through 10, he gives us another. So there in 6 and 7, there's a contrast. People in the light and people in the dark. He gives us another contrast in verses 8 through 10. He says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And his word is not in us. So again here, there's this either or. There are people that recognize that they are sin. That they have sinned and they are sinners. There are people that recognize that they need to be saved by Jesus Christ. And they humbly admit, I have sinned. God's word says I have sinned, so I believe that I have sinned. God's word says that I have done wrong, so I believe that I have done wrong. They, they accept that teaching. They admit that teaching. And they come to Christ for salvation. And then there are the other people that reject what God's Word says. 
And they say, no, I'm not a sinner. I haven't done anything wrong. I have no need to repent. But in verse 8, he just says clearly, if you say you have no sin, then you deceive yourself. Or in other words, if you say that you haven't sinned, you're lying to yourself when you say it. He gives us again. There's, there's not this juggling act of sometimes I believe God's word and sometimes I don't. It's either I believe God's word and I believe in God's son or I don't. And we, John is helping us this morning to decide which side of this we follow. He's helping us to decide the people that we follow and listen to. Our teachers, our pastors, our Sunday school teachers. People that you listen to on the radio whose books you read. Which side do they follow on? Which things do they declare? They say that you're fine, but you just need a little bit of help to get to the perfect place. Or they say that you are a lost sinner with no hope outside of Jesus. Because that's what God's Word says. Identify who you're listening to. Identify yourself as either a Christian or not. Point two. Only those that have faith in God's Word and God's Son are truly His. And I say that simply because God's Word is what tells us that God's Son is where we must place our faith. I'm not saying you have to have faith in Jesus Christ and that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying the Bible tells you that you have to have faith in Jesus Christ. Do you believe God's Word? Do you believe in Jesus Christ? So there are the applications of this big ticket truth. God is light. In Him is no darkness. You want to know if you are saved? Look at your life and see if it falls on the side with God and light and goodness or does it fall on the side of dark and evil and unrighteousness. Also, look at those people that you're listening to. Look at your teachers. Apply this in the future when you hear someone on the radio preaching and they say something that is contrary, clearly contrary to what the Bible says. When they say, listen... Muslims and Buddhists and Christians, in the end, we're all going to the same place. We're all going to heaven. If you hear somebody say that, mark them as a false teacher and turn the station. When you're reading a book about how you should live your life and you notice that the book is written by someone that is a Scientologist, you don't need to be taking life advice from somebody that clearly says the Bible is not God's Word and Jesus is not God's Son. We and our world have to be especially careful about who we're listening to. It's been true ever since John wrote this letter thousands of years ago. There are people that want to deceive you and tell you things that aren't the truth. So we need to be careful about who we're listening to. He continues, I told you that we're going to see the beginning of chapter 2. He continues this teaching, and I want us to see it there as well. Verses 1 and 2, 1 John 2 says, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Here, John speaks to them. I love that he says, My little children, he's not talking to the children's church here. This is how much he loves these people he's writing to. He loves them like they're his own children. My little children. I've told you the gospel. I've told you that God is light and there's no darkness in him. I've told you these things in the hope 
that you won't sin. A reminder of how important it is that we do our very best to refrain from sinning, that we would choose not to sin. Now that we're in Christ, we have the opportunity to choose whether we sin or not. John says, I'm writing you these things so that you won't sin. But also, there's this assurance that he's showing us for those of us that have faith in Jesus Christ. He says, but if we do sin, unfortunately for most all of us in this room, I would say when we do slip up and when we sin, not if. He says we have an advocate. We still have hope. It's not whenever I sin, all hope is lost and God's going to throw me away and he's going to be done with me now. He says, no, Jesus Christ the propitiation, the atoning sacrifice, the one that died in our place is at the right side of the Father in heaven. And He speaks on our behalf. And His blood speaks on our behalf. So even when we do sin, even when we do make a mistake, even when we do mess up from time to time, even when we do, those sins are covered as well. Our hope is not lost. We still remain in God. And we're still His not because we're perfect and never sin, but because we have faith in Jesus Christ and His death takes away all of our sins. Point three, all sinners have hope if they will seek forgiveness through Jesus Christ. He makes it clear, anyone that comes, he says that He has died for our sins and for the sins of the whole world. Anyone that will come to Christ will be forgiven of their sins. So, brothers and sisters, I ask you this morning where it is that you need to be careful. Are you here this morning and you have for a long time thought, listen, I'm going to heaven and I'm a Christian because I'm a member at Mount Zion or I'm a member at so-and-so. Is that where your hope lies? Because John says that's not where you need to look. You need to look at your life. You need to look at your faith. Do you have faith in Jesus Christ? Do you trust God's Word? Do you follow God's Word? Are you walking in the light as Christ is in the light? Because if not, you may just be lying to yourself. You may keep telling yourself over and over, I know that I'm doing these things, I know that I'm this, I know that I'm this, but but my my name is on the church roll. Brother, he doesn't say there's hope in being on the church roll. He says there's hope. In Jesus. Jesus died for our sins. And when we follow Him, we know that we are His. And we know that we are Christians. But if your life is marked more by darkness than it is by light, then this morning you may have some questioning that you need to do. You may need to ask the Lord whether it is that you're truly His or whether you've been lying to yourself. This morning, you might need to repent for the first time and truly give your life to Him. But He's already died. He's already made that available if you would come. But I also know that there are probably some here this morning that have been listening to false teachers. You say, listen, this guy, I know that he says these things that aren't true, but man, he's so dramatic and he's so good to listen to. I've seen those guys on TV. I've heard them on the radio. There are some guys that are really exciting. They're a lot more exciting than me. They're a lot better speakers than I am. But man, their doctrine is off. And man, they don't believe in Jesus Christ. And their teaching is worthless because of it. I don't care how excited they get you. If they're not teaching you the truth, brothers and sisters, we need to reject the teachings that they're given. So this morning, I ask what it is that the Lord is speaking to you about from this text. I'm going to invite you to stand this morning. We're going to have a time of invitation. Some of you may need to just pray. Some of you just... 
may need to thank the Lord because He is light, completely light, completely good. There's no darkness. There's nothing bad in Him. Thank Him for that. Some of you need to come to Him and ask Him that He would help you to be that. Some of you need to ask Him to help you to turn and repent from following false teachers. Whatever it is this morning that you need to do, we'll have a time that you can respond and do that as Brother Shane comes and leads us in a hymn of invitation.